Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very accomplished and senior entrepreneur from Mexico, Mr. Manuel Barrero Castaneda. Manuel, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me today. Thank you. Manuel is the founder and chairman of the Aston Group, which is a real estate and private equity company. So, uh, Manuel, let's start with the Aston Group. Tell me about the group, your activities and your motivation to start it. Um, sure. So, yeah, as you mentioned, the Aston Group is a private equity group with a strong focus on real estate, but we also have significant investments in technology and green energy. Mm. Um, we like to give back to our communities. That's one of our, you know, main uh, goals. And mm -hmm. we try to do it, you know, through, through this company. Mm. Um, you know, you asked me, you know, what's the motivation to start this? And I will try to give you kind of a long answer to get to the point. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, inequality in Mexico is rather high. We, you know, these translate into all aspects of the society, mm -hmm. including the industry. Mexico is in a good way, the manufacturing arm of the U.S. Mm -hmm. and accounts for more, more than 40% of the nation's GDP. Mm -hmm. These qualities have been present in the industry for decades. Mm -hmm. So while there are state-of-the-art industrial facilities for American and European companies in Mexico, mm -hmm. at the same time, there are some deficient quality facilities for small and medium-sized national corporations. Mm -hmm. It prevents SMEs from being part of the supply chain mm -hmm. that export products directly or indirectly. In many cases, some of these businesses are very successful, but they just do not have the proper space to work. Mm -hmm. So my motivation was really to do my best mm -hmm. to put down the supply chain uh, to these companies and improve the quality of life and the economy of the families running these businesses. So mm -hmm. that was that was really the point, and that's what Very we still try to get back. Interesting. And uh, as a private equity investor, why did you select to focus on real estate and not so many other sectors? <laughs> um, I am a very creative person, mm -hmm. and really enjoy good architecture and design okay and real estate is inspiring for me because every time you start a new project mm -hmm. you have a new challenge mm -hmm. of making something aesthetic and functional for the community but which can also be pro profitable mm -hmm. i love this challenge and for me every project it's unique so it, you know you don't get bored so that's really the reason why every that's every time something is different <laughs> Wonderful. And uh, how have you seen real estate evolve and change since you started? Yeah, well, it, it has it has changed a lot for sure. Um, I believe technology has played a significant role in real estate as in many other industries. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I remember some of my days in college when architects and firm were still drawing hundreds of blueprints to present the project. Mm -hmm. Today, AutoCAD, Beam, and 3D rendering have changed all this. Mm -hmm. At the time, response between clients and us has been reduced by 90%. And I think this is, you know, the same among all the industry. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, back in the day, no one looked at the green aspect of buildings or construction. Mm -hmm. Today, clean and renewable energy play a significant role in the industry. For example, uh, some of our clients in our industrial buildings 
will not be allowed to sell their products to some OEMs in Europe mm -hmm. by 2025 if they do not have a portion of their energy coming from clean sources. Mm -hmm. So this is huge. This means that large companies are pushing down the green agenda to all their suppliers, mm -hmm. even if they are on the other side of the world. Mm -hmm. And for a country like Mexico, where the federal government is still investing in oil and gas mm -hmm. and blocking investments in green energies, mm. it can be very, very challenging if you want to push these type of investments. But I still think that, you know, you have to do it. So, mm. yeah, I think, you know, it, it's changed a lot, especially the velocity in which uh, deals are done now versus what they were done 20 years ago. Very interesting. And yet, you know, when you look at developing countries like Mex Mexico or India, for the average human being, a home is the single largest investment they will make in their life. Correct. Why is it so difficult to own homes in the developing world um, as compared to the developed world? Um, I mean, there, there are many aspects and obviously depends on each country. Okay. Uh, but, you know, compared to developed countries, the difference between salary and house price is much wider. Yeah. One. Mm -hmm. Two, uh, financing rates are extremely high, preventing many buyers from acquiring a house. Mm -hmm. Interest rates are usually in double digits. Correct. Therefore, if you want to get a 20-year mortgage with these rates, mm -hmm. you will most likely not start paying principal until after year 10. Mm -hmm. If you're suddenly unemployed for an extended period, you mm -hmm. might lose 10 years of payments and still have no home equity. So that prevents many people from buying a home. Mm -hmm. And do you see this kind of uh, changing a little bit or do you still think, you know, just before you were talking to the former global chief economist of, of Citigroup and I'm asking him a question that every politician seems to promise a home, clothes and food to the people and 100 years have passed and nothing has happened. My question to you is, do you think homes will ever come in the reach of the poor people? Um, as you say, you know, they're politicians, so they will talk, you know, they have I talked know. for 100 years and they will talk for yeah. another 100 more. Mm -hmm. But I think they, you know, they do try to um, to change this. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it's an easy task. I think it's complicated, especially in our countries. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, if they, if, if they start really pushing uh, the housing agenda and the low-income housing, mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, over time, this... This should get better, but uh, but I think it's a still it's a still a hard one. Mm, very interesting. And as a real estate, you know, investor, do you see any kind of linkage between commercial real estate and residential real estate? Um, again, it, you know, it it varies from country to country, yeah. but in many cases, I think they are linked. You know, in general. All real estate has similar fundamentals, like demographics. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, many retailers need a strong residential demographics mm. before launching a large retail project. Mm. And in other cases, a large retail project will attract good housing and projects around. So the problem when a large retail uh, project is launched before housing is in place mm -hmm. is the amount of time you might need before you have all the required demographics to achieve the desired sales they want. Mm -hmm. And the problem on the other side is when the demographics are already there, mm -hmm. then the land becomes too expensive to develop. So the balance, I think, is that link. You know, when 
when should they go before or after or in the middle and i think that's you know that's the question everybody makes when they want to make money on either side of the of the residential or the retail uh sector wow the other thing is that uh, and i'm seeing this trend in in india seeing this trend in a lot of other countries that a lot of young people are now renting instead of buying yeah so the demand uh, will be there but acquisition may not happen i'd love to get your perspective yeah um as you said in um in developed on developed countries there is a, a big problem and you know their biggest investment is, is their house mm. and i think you know you know this is changing but it can vary depending on the country mm. in some cultures like mexico or spain Having a house is a, it's it's very important, even though the the cost might be high yeah. and it's not always the best option. But mm. as you said, you know, having that, you know, provides some some sort of security for them. Mm. However, in many other cases, more and more young people are renting, but I don't think it's because they really understand the real estate market, mm. but because they want more flexibility and more and more they're able to work from anywhere in the world. Mm. And this rent has a spikes in COVID-19. So I think it has to do a little bit more with technology and communication mm. rather than you know something changing in their minds or them becoming more educated on the real estate sector. And there's a trend that, I, that has been there for generations in, in India, which is buy land. Because that's nobody is making more land in the world. China has the same thing. Is it something similar in, in your country as well? Um, yes, in, in, in Mexico, people still buy some land, but, you know, there is not that much land, and especially not that much land with infrastructure. Mm. Infrastructure is expensive um, and it's hard now to provide infrastructure to raw land, you know, outside the cities. So I think this trend is also very similar in Mexico as, it, mm. you know, as in country or in China, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Now, let me move to your private equity and real estate. And I'm not a real estate expert, but I've been reading about the REITs um, and other value-added projects. Tell us for our viewers and listeners, what is a REIT? How are real estate companies using this as a financing tool? Yeah, um, you know, today the real estate market, it's valued at around 3.5 to 3.8 trillion dollars but it's expected to grow to 5.8 to 6 trillion by 2030. It's wow. huge, mm. changing rapidly. So more and more institutions and individuals are mm. trying to get a piece of the market. Mm. And REITs and some other vehicles are good investment platforms for individuals to be able to invest or take a piece of this. Mm. REITs and different types of institutional and even not institutional investors are looking for new ways to participate in a more significant role at the industry that mm -hmm. is evolving. Therefore, I think all these companies are trying to, uh, to invest into these vehicles mm -hmm. that are growing to be able to get a piece of that. Mm -hmm. You know, a good example is Singapore. Singapore mm -hmm. uh, has probably, I don't know the exact percentage, but most part of their real estate is owned by different REITs or private investors or mm -hmm. institutional funds. Mm -hmm. So that's changing and that's becoming a trend. So if you think, you know, all this growth is going to happen over the next, you know, seven to eight years, mm -hmm. everybody's going to try trying to find a way mm -hmm. to get a piece of that. So, and, and REITs are a good way to, 
to invest. Interesting. There is also a lot of talk, uh, Manuel, about something called green buildings. And I know this is something to do with climate change, etc. But do help us understand what is a green building? Yeah, they are, you know, a, a lot of uh, investors and developers are also uh, looking into what they call green buildings. And it's, it's really nothing more than making the buildings more eco-friendly. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, recycle the water that they use, being able to use solar panels for their energy, mm -hmm. uh, try to try to reduce the carbon footprint. That's the different idea. Mm -hmm. And there are different institutions that provide certain certifications when you're doing that. Uh, you know, the Nordic countries are very keen on these and are really, really trying to push the agenda. For mm -hmm. example, in Norway, they are going all the way to say, let's do not use steel anymore. Mm -hmm. Let's only use timber uh, that comes from uh, different air areas that they're having growing the timber and mm -hmm. things like that, using less concrete, uh, making the buildings uh, more efficient in terms of electricity. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that's the idea, as you know, as, as everybody else in the world, everybody's trying to reduce this carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. Interesting. You also speak about urban and sustainable city development. Yes. Um, tell me a little bit about the work you're doing and please give me an example. Uh, sure. You know, in, in my view, um, if you want a development project to be successful over time, mm -hmm. I think it should be sustainable and inclusive in a long-term social perspective. Uh, all our projects aim to achieve this characteristic. A current example is a project that we will launch at the end of the year called Querétaro Reborn. This project attempts to pedestrianize an area of the city, mm -hmm. to prioritize people over cars, mm -hmm. uh, to impulse biking in the city, reduce the carpet footprint, mm. and create larger social sites that are more inclusive and will mm. help reduce inequalities. And of mm. course, we want to develop nice areas and provide more green space and obviously have good economic returns. However, the essential part of the project is mm -hmm. the well-being of its people, mainly focusing on the next generation and not only on the outcome of the next five years. We really think our children to enjoy this project and it's a 10-year project. So we are really looking on a long, long-term perspective rather than just you know the, the financial returns that we might be able to achieve mm -hmm. in the next five or 10 years. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And when you look at, mega cities you know like a mexico city or a new delhi or a beijing you know populations in excess of 20 million people what are your thoughts on making such highly densely populated cities more sustainable i think um you know public transport is it's a very important one um you know i am very very high on biking and making some of the cities more sustainable and more social inclusive. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we use so many cars in these cities prevent us from having that. So, you know, the more uh, the government invests in public transportation, the more that we could make these cities more livable. Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't know, uh, in India, I haven't been there in a while, but in Mexico, mm -hmm. you can spend hours and hours yeah. in your car every day. Right. And, you know, that's that's not quality of life. Uh, I, I don't know if I remember this correctly, but I believe somebody said 
that you know a, a good city is not a city that has cars, but a city where everybody can take the public transport. That's a rich city, not the not the city where everybody's buying cars. Yeah. So yeah. or something along those lines. Hmm. So yeah, I think public transportation it's uh it's extremely important to be able to 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 change this. And do you see uh, these mega cities actually moving towards that trend? Yeah, Mexico City or some other cities. Mexico City, yes. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I think they are they are trying, um, but I am not seeing real resorts. I mean, I think they have some other agendas currently uh, in the government, like oil and gas, which mm-hmm. I believe are going, you know, on the other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if they will push more this agenda, I think uh, you know big changes can be done because mm-hmm. um, you know Mexico City has has a lot of potential to to grow and to and to improve so mm. it's it's something that they they just need to to be more open about it and and push and push the agenda mm. one more question relating to real estate and then i have some questions for you personally uh, and this is about technology um, okay. i was talking to a real estate developer in india the other day and uh, he was saying that while technology is being used at the back end at the front end not much has changed uh, I'd love to get your perspective from Mexico. Yeah, um, I think it's 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 happening uh, everywhere in the world. I mean, I think it's changing and it's changing rapidly. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, now crowdfunding apps and technology provide many developers the tool to fund their projects. As I mm-hmm. mentioned before, this market is growing tremendously over the next few years. Mm-hmm. So in some countries, like in Mexico, some assets can now be sold overnight with this platform while mm. others might take months or years to achieve the same mm. so this is, this is a huge a huge change in a country like mexico mm-hmm. where not everybody has access to institutional money mm. uh, the velocity in which deals take place today is amazing now to, thanks to technology mm. and i think most investors and developers need to really think about this seriously because mm. otherwise somebody is going to replace them or take take their place mm. um mexico not so much related to real estate but you know it's related to technology people is now buying cars uh through some of these uh fintech apps mm-hmm. and crowdfunding is becoming bigger and bigger uh in uh, in mexico mm. so really a lot of uh people is selling some of their projects in pieces uh you know very very rapid faces when some others are taking years to sell their projects and mm. i think this is changing and this will pro- with this will leave out some of the current developers if they are they don't start thinking about this amazing amazing so manuel i'm not going to move to a few questions for you personally because my guests love to get to know my my viewers and listeners love to get to know my guest sure my first question is in your life and your career what you would you say are three key milestones um three milestones in my in my career mm-hmm. um i would say that you know you always need to consider your community or your country when working on a project and it does not have to be real estate related mm-hmm. i think any project um will go a long way if mm-hmm. you believe it will provide a benefit for the community while mm-hmm. making money. On the contrary, the project might not succeed if you mm-hmm. only consider financial results. And I think yeah. this is happening more and more every day. Yeah. Uh, the second one 
I would say, listen to new generations. Yeah, They have a lot to teach us. There are many ways to develop one idea, project, or technology. And if we refuse to loosen, I think we'll probably be outdated and replace it soon. I think Correct. it's important. And as, as you mentioned today, your audience has a lot of uh, young people. So mm. I think that's important. Mm. And the third one, um, you know, I think we should really think about the environment, not because it is trendy today in the world, but because it's a real challenge we all face. Mm. And you know, we need to make sure that we live a better world for our children and not, a, and not something worse. Wonderful. And my last question to you, uh, what would you say is your leadership style? My leadership style? Um, I have a, a, a very flat structure, structure in which all levels interact. Mm. I believe in open doors and I'm always open to new ideas. Mm. Uh, I let young people provide input and challenge traditional methods mm. or standard practices because I think the new generations have a lot to teach. Mm. And nowadays, young people look for work not only to pay their bills, but to feel they're working in places that give back to their community mm. and can change the status quo. Mm. And this is a significant change, I guess, from previous generations. Mm. But to summarize, I am open and flexible, but I like results. I am very, very strict regarding client service, especially mm. and financial returns. I do not mind people working remotely, but as long as they're always available to answer our clients. Mm -hmm. So, you know, somehow, yeah, if they want to be working remotely, they will be depending on their phones a lot uh, and on their results. But I'm open for that. And I'm open always to to give good ideas. And everybody can come to my office. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, the, the general managers or the president or anybody else. So that's fantastic. I guess that's summary. Fantastic. Manuel, on that note, and your three amazing lessons, build for the benefit of the community, listen to the new generation, think of the environment. Thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you for talking to me about the Aston Group, about the amazing work that you are doing in the world of real estate. Thank you also for speaking to me about a lot of your own thoughts on sustainable cities, developments, REITs, uh, and the young people. Thank you again and good luck. No, thank you very much to you for the time. It's, uh, it was very, very interesting. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.